Thanks for listening. Join us now for Perry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. Are you feeling some discouragement and some fear? When God invites you into his work and you join him, there are two enemies that you'll face when things are hard, fear and discouragement. Paul is on his second missionary journey, and he comes to the city of Corinth in modern-day Greece. Paul's custom is to go into the synagogue and show the Jews from the Hebrew Scriptures that Jesus is the Messiah. But largely, the Jews reject the message. They oppose him and insult him. And mind you, Paul is a Jew himself. Many Jews have embraced Jesus as Messiah, but others have rejected. So Paul moves next door from the synagogue and starts preaching from a home. And a whole family of non-Jews becomes believers. And many beyond that family accept Jesus. But Paul's afraid. He's paralyzed by fear. Earlier on in his missionary journey, Paul and Silas are beaten with wooden rods in Philippi. He's attacked by mobs in Thessalonica and Berea. His life is probably being threatened here in Corinth. And I think that Paul's afraid. He's gripped by fear. Then one night, Jesus comes to Paul in a vision and says, Don't be afraid, Paul. Speak out. Don't be silent. For I'm with you, and no one will harm you, because many people here in this city belong to me. And I think Paul's fear was holding him back. Mm -hmm. He was looking over his shoulder at, you know, the next time he was going to get beaten. He needed to hear Jesus say, Don't fear. I'm giving you a season of protection because. Mm This city has a lot of people that are ready for your good news. I am comforted by hearing that Paul was afraid. I mean, when we hear the stories, he he was such a guy of courage. He did such bold things, right? I mean, even before he gave his life to Jesus, he was bold in the way that he lived his life. And then especially for the gospel, he was so bold that it, it does my heart good to hear there were moments when Paul felt afraid, you know, he didn't want to endure the, the suffering and the hardship the way that he had anymore. Yeah. And, and the Lord gave him this vacation, this much needed vacation. And so for 18 months, a year and a half, Paul was free of being beaten up for the gospel. And over those 18 months, he was able to bring a ton of people into God's forever family. And then at the end of the 18 months, there was this kerfuffle <laughs> and Paul essentially had to get out of Corinth right at the end there because he, he was put on trial and, and things went south, but God kept him yeah. right up to the, the end of that time. The point of all this, maybe you're afraid and discouraged. You feel like giving up for some reason. Maybe the dream God has put in your heart has died. Maybe there's just hard stuff going on your in your life that have left you crippled by fear. Just one thing after another has happened mm -hmm. and you're just looking over your back or you're looking ahead and you're thinking what's going to come next. And, and you're just paralyzed by fear and you're discouraged and you know, we get it. We get it. Mm -hmm. And don't give up. Don't give up. That seems simple, too simple, but here's, Here's what I believe the Lord wants you to know. There is much more for you to do and to be yet in your journey. God's not done with you. Mm -hmm. Your life matters. You are so significant and you probably don't hear this enough. 
Your life matters so much so that when God created you, he put together all the details of who you are, of your personality, of what you like and what you don't like. Everything about you was intentional when he created you. And then he planned out all your days and he wrote them down in a book. There's a book somewhere that has all everything you've ever encountered in your entire life written down. God saw it because he was there and all of your days yet to come. You matter so much. You are so significant to the Lord. When things aren't necessarily going the way that I think that they should go, it is an opportunity to trust God and praise Him. And it's true for you too. So yesterday I was doing my devos, spending some time with the Lord, and I like to read Jesus Calling, and it's a devotional that's written as if Jesus were speaking directly to you. This is what it said yesterday. Every time something thwarts your plans or your desires, use that as a reminder to communicate with me. This practice has several benefits. The first is obvious. Talking with me blesses you and strengthens our relationship. Another benefit is that disappointments, instead of dragging you down, are transformed into opportunities for good. And this transformation removes the sting from difficult circumstances, making it possible to be joyful in the midst of adversity. So begin by practicing this discipline in all the little disappointments of your daily life. It's often these minor setbacks that draw you away from my presence. When you reframe setbacks as opportunities, you find that you gain much more than you've lost. It's only after much training that you can accept major losses in this same positive way. But it is possible to attain the perspective of the the Apostle Paul who wrote, compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, I consider everything I once treasured to be as insignificant as rubbish. Now, it's the part that really jumped out to me when I was reading this devotional yesterday morning was the words, begin by practicing this discipline in all the little disappointments of life. It just jumped off the page like it was emboldened. It wasn't, but that's what grabbed my attention. And here's why. So Wednesday night, I had hoped to have an early dinner, a relaxing evening and get to bed early. I mean, this was my plan and I'm a planner. I like to have a plan. And the reason specifically is because Monday was a full day, full day of work. And then a dental appointment got a crown and then the harvest party at church. And I got to bed late Tuesday, same thing, like appointment, appointment, late to bed, you know? And so I was so tired. So I just really wanted the whole evening to start early, finish early. I have to like settle in and settle down in order to be able to fall asleep. I can't just, you know, hard stop at 8 p.m. and then go to bed and fall asleep. I have to unwind. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I got a phone call from my husband and he said, I'll probably be home about 4.45, like before five o'clock. And I was like, awesome, let's do an early dinner. And he was totally on board. And then he called me at five and he said, you know, I'm sorry, but I'm actually just leaving right now. It's probably going to be another 20 minutes before I get home. And I was like, okay. And then he got home and he was on the phone until almost 6 p.m. Now I hadn't communicated all the things to him. Like I really want to have an early dinner and I really want to have a relaxing evening and I really want to be able to fall asleep early. So he's just doing life and the stuff that's coming up. Right. But I was wrestling with my evening being pushed back. I, I wanted, you know, I wanted to get to bed early and it wasn't going that way. The whole evening felt derailed. And I wished I had had read this Devo on Wednesday morning instead of Thursday morning. 
I don't know if it would have stood out to me the way that it did or not, but I didn't embrace it as an opportunity to talk to God about what I was feeling. So how do you think it could have gone down if you had read this and taken this advice? You know, I'm hearing you say that when interruptions happen and things don't go according to plan, you know, communicate with God. So what might have things looked like? Let me just give you a snapshot first of what it did look like for me in my own head. So then you can see the contrast of what it would look like if I had seen it as an opportunity to trust God. Because what happened inside of me, this was my thought process. Ah, man, it's a later dinner. I'm going to get to bed late. I'm not going to get the sleep I need. I'm so tired anyway. Tomorrow's a big day. I've got a lot, you know, the conference starts. My, you know, regional manager's coming into the station. The day's going to be full and demanding. You know what I mean? Just like I'm I'm already behind in the future in my head (laughs) based on what's going on. I get it. (laughs) Yeah. So this is, that's what was spinning through my mind. Now, if I had seen it as an opportunity to trust God and to tell him what I was feeling, I think it could have looked like, all right, Lord, I had hoped to have an earlier dinner, but but the whole day has not been derailed. The whole evening has not been derailed. And this doesn't have to mess with my tomorrow. I trust you. I can, you know, I can still get to bed early. If You know, give me wisdom to know how to navigate the evening. Or even if I don't get the sleep that on my Apple watch, I think I need in order to feel rested. You're God. You can do anything. You can make me feel rested and you're my provision. I'm going to be fine tomorrow. You see what I mean? I do. It's just like a different trajectory, almost like a fork in the road where I didn't realize I had a choice to either trust God or spiral out of control. It's managing your expectations in the moment by talking with God. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's the soundbite version. Well said. (laughs) It takes me a lot of words to say what you say in just a short amount. Well, they're both important. But the next time that you feel like life isn't going the way that you expected it to and you start to feel frustrated, take it from me. Let it be a reminder to communicate with God. I don't know if you ever have doubts about being in God's forever family. You know, you've you've given your life over to Jesus, but then you still have those creeping doubts and fears that that maybe God'll kick you out of his family or something like that and you know, I have to be honest, that's something that from time to time it just comes to my mind and I I do get afraid and I have this fear and so this passage from 1 Corinthians 1:8 and 9 just means so much to me and my my mom, who's now with Jesus, mm. she gave this to me, and it's it's one of my go-tos. And it says, 1 Corinthians 1, 8 and 9, He will keep you strong right up to the end. He will keep you free from all blame on that great day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. God will surely do this for you, for he always does just what he says. And he is the one who invited you into this wonderful friendship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, God will surely do this for you, bring you Mm -hmm. safely home. And, you know, even this week, I've had some of those doubts about, "Ah, Lord, am I really in, am I in your forever family? Have, Mm. have I done the right things, you know? And, and I come down to the promises of God like this, you know, cause I'm human and I, I'm frail and I'm feeble and I'm not some superhero 
and I'm just being real. Maybe you struggle with this. I've been walking with, I've been journeying with Jesus since I was 10 years old and I'm 160. So, (laughs) and I'm still, I'm still, you know, having these human fears. Yeah. I think the human fears are a part of being human. You know what I mean? I think they really are. I don't know that we talk about that often enough, but I'll tell you what, the encouragement that I find out of the scripture is that it says he will Mm. keep you strong to the end. Yeah. God will do this. He is faithful. Come on. To what he says. You know, so often I think it's on me. And so my human frailty and my fears and my doubts, they don't, they always come down to me. If I did enough, if I am enough, Mm -hmm. if I could be loved and first Corinthians, you know, one, eight and nine, this puts it completely on the Lord. All I have to do is keep my eyes fixed on him and surrender and know my need mm-hmm. for a great God. And he's going to, he's the one who's faithful. He's going to be strong. T- he's going to keep us strong to the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm wondering, is this something that you struggle with at all? You listening, let us know, you know, 800-968-8930, 800-968-8938. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. I have, you know, you and I have talked about this before, but my struggle it comes more from not feeling like I have to do something to earn being in. I feel like I'm in, but I feel more like, you know, I've gotten this scholarship and I've got to keep up my GPA or I'm going to lose it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit of a different angle, but it's really the same, yeah, same right, thing. Yeah, I yeah. think. Okay. So here's what we need to do, Shauna. Yeah. You preach, t- t- tell me the gospel, preach the gospel, you know, not the, the, the long thing, but just tell me the gospel. Remind me of the gospel. He <laughs> will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. God will do this for he is faithful to do what he says. And he has invited you into partnership with his son, mm. Jesus Christ, our Lord. We need to preach the gospel not only to ourselves, up to one another. Mm-hmm. And Shauna, regarding the GPA thing, I'm going to, I'm going to preach the gospel to you. Okay. Jesus got the 4.0. Okay. It's his 4.0 right. that, he, that he gives to you. Yeah. So you've got his 4.0. So bottom line in all this is that it's trusting in Jesus performance mm-hmm. and not ours. Listen to this great wisdom from Elizabeth Elliot. She said, the deepest things that I've learned in my own life have come from the deepest suffering. And out of the deepest waters and the hottest fires have come the deepest things I know about God. Now, if you aren't familiar with Elizabeth Elliot's story, her and her husband, Jim, were missionaries to the Alka Indians. And they were a violent people group that nobody could reach. And Jim, her husband, flew in to share the gospel with them and they brutally murdered him. Now, by the Lord's leading, Elizabeth returned to that same group of people who killed her husband to share the love of Jesus with them. She says the scariest part of going back was she had her three-year-old daughter strapped on her back, and she did not know what was going to happen when she approached the Alka Indians. Well, here's what happened. They received Jesus into their hearts, and she ended up living there among the very people who killed her husband, loving them not just in telling them the gospel, but loving them for a lifetime. <clears throat> so Elizabeth Ellis Elliot was no stranger to suffering at all, deep suffering. 
And this is what she said. Now listen to it again, knowing her story, right? The deepest things that I have learned in my own life have come from the deepest suffering. And out of the deepest waters and the hottest fires have come the deepest things that I know about God. It's a hard truth, but it's true that we do go deep with God through the hard things in life. What amazes me about Elizabeth's story is just her courage. Mm -hmm. And also, even more than her courage was her willingness to forgive. Mm -hmm. She had to forgive these people who had murdered her husband. And I, I have to think she thought, you know what? Father, forgive them because they don't know what they were mm-hmm. doing. I, I, I get a sense that that was her spirit in it, but she still, nonetheless, she still had to forgive them and she still had to have the courage, you know, to strap her three-year-old daughter on her back. And, you know, in today's world, people would say, you know, you're crazy. You're, you're being abusive toward your child. But no, she, she had a love that, that we don't know much mm-hmm. about. We don't yeah. know much about. And a commitment to be obedient to what God had called her to do, no matter what. And I, th- I think one of the things about learning about the deep things of God in our relationship with him is it's not a given. Like just because you're suffering doesn't mean you're going to be closer to Jesus. We have a choice. We can suffer and we can just focus on the suffering and you know, not involve God in the process. And we're not going to learn any more about God doing it that way. But in the suffering, if we choose to involve God, to, to let him into our thoughts and our feelings and to rely on him and to pray to him and to walk with him through the suffering, he will reveal things to us that we cannot see when life was all rainbows and unicorns. Yeah. And it's like when the disciples were with Jesus and Jesus brought some really hard teaching and a lot of people turned away at that point because they just, they didn't get it. And the disciples, they didn't really get it either. And they said, well, first Jesus said, are you going to, are you going to turn away too? Mm -hmm. And they said, we can't, you, you have the words of eternal life. And I have found myself even this week praying that, but many times in my life where I just can't understand things, Mm -hmm. can't figure things out. I'm hurting. And I'll just say, Lord, I don't know where to go. Mm-hmm. You have the words of eternal life. That's it. Yeah. And the suffering, you know, the suffering, it, it's going to happen. We're going to suffer. We're going to go hard, through hard things. But don't let the suffering be for nothing. Let the suffering press you into the heart of the God. And he will reveal to you deeper things. Whatever hardship you're going through right now will be turned into a song. Mm -hmm. It will be a song of how God came through for you in your right now hardship. It may not be a song song, might be a story that you share, might be a book or a poem that you write or a picture that you create or simply something you share with a friend over coffee, but it will be a message of hope born in the flames of your right now hardship. This is what the great poet songwriter David shows us in Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, Mm -hmm. a hymn of praise to our God. 
many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. We don't know what experience led to David writing Psalm 40, but Psalm 40 is a song. But it could have been the years he spent running from King Saul. Saul was jealous of David. You probably know the story because he knew God had chosen David to be king. He knew God had rejected him because of his straight-up disobedience. But Saul wasn't having it. He made it his passion to kill David to protect his throne. So David ran and ran and ran and ran. He hid out in caves for maybe seven years. He had some ragamuffins that tagged along with him. And he was fearing for his life all that time. Now listen to Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord for seven years. Mm -hmm. And finally, after all that waiting, he delivered me from that slimy pit. He set my feet on a rock. He finally made good on his promise to make me king. He put a new song in my mouth, this song that came out of my years on the run, that came out of God's rescue of my life and raising me up to be king. And, you know, just makes me think if you're in a place of hardship right now, God is writing a new song. Mm. It's, it's not fully written yet. Wait patiently, trusting the Lord. And when you're impatient and it's hard to trust him, tell him that. He will rescue you. He will lift you up out of that quicksand. He'll pull you out of that. And he will give you a firm place to stand. And then it'll be time to write the song. And, you know, when you write the song, some good things are going to happen. This whole idea of, you know, us being a song, our life being a song, and our story being told makes me think of, oh, it's Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And some translations don't use the word handiwork. They'll use masterpiece or workmanship, but it means his poema, Mm -hmm. his poem. We are, our whole life story is like a song a that, work of right, art. A work of art that, you know, when you think about a song too, in the way that, it, you know, there are notes that go up and there are notes that go down and there's a, a movie, it's a love story, but there's a movie about a guy who writes music, like soundtracks for films and whatnot. And he meets this girl and he falls in love with her and he's writing something and, you know, he says, I wrote something. It's, it's your song. It's for you. And he said, I only use the good notes. perfect right but yeah god is is playing this song through the story of our life and it's meant to point other people to not the art but the artist yeah and and it's the hardship that you're in right now that god is working in for you to finally create that song the song's not ready yet Mm because you're still in it and But once you are through it and you share the song, whatever form that takes, this is the promise. This is the promise I'm taking because I've been just working through some stuff this last month. And it's just, it's hard to even put into words. <laughs> but, you know, I know God's at work. Yeah. Here's the promise. Once the we go through that season and we write the song, many, many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord.
You and I are on a journey of healing. There is so much emotional healing. We have more conversations about this today than I think we've had ever, for sure in my lifetime. And I don't think it's just because I'm more in need of emotional healing, which is true. But we talk a lot about our need for emotional healing. And Christine Kane is a Bible teacher. She is the founder of A21. It's a ministry to help women get out of sex trafficking. And she's just a powerhouse for the Lord. And she says this about our emotional healing. It's so powerful to embrace the process of healing in our lives. And I'm not just talking about physically. Trying to bypass any of the steps involved in becoming emotionally healed and whole will keep us weak in our spiritual cores and our hearts. And that weakness will eventually deteriorate other areas of our lives. But as we stay in the process of emotional healing and we don't try to get out of it, God can heal our wounds and strengthen the weak places in our lives. I've seen this expressed before or drawn out as, you know, in circles. If you, if you see circles around each other, like a smaller circle in the middle and then a larger circle around it and so forth and so forth, that center circle is our spiritual lives as our walk with God. And when our faith is not strong, when we've got weakness in our, in our faith and in our walk with the Lord, other areas of our lives, our relationships, social aspects, our work, these other kind of main spheres of life have weakness to them. They are not as strong. They're only as strong as the faith, as the center hole. And we don't want that to be a sinkhole. And so what Christine is saying, and I agree wholeheartedly, is we got to do the hard work of staying in it. Mm-hmm. And I'm learning so much about this right now. I'm learning some... some uh, Therapy terms like dissociation, I've realized that that's something that I do and I'm outside of my window of tolerance or something that's really, really hard for me. I check out emotionally. It's, it's, you know, I've called it before turtling too, right? Like if I, something feels unsafe to me, I just pull my legs, my tail, my head into the shell. Like you can't hurt me here, but it's a way of not engaging in what's going on in the world and what's going on in my own life. Yeah. It's, it's a form of denial of reality. Yeah. Well, I'm familiar with that term because I have three counselors in my family. So, and they love to counsel me. So you started with the, the inner circle being faith. Yeah. You're not saying that if we don't have enough faith, are you saying that? No, I'm saying what I'm saying is keeping our eyes focused on Jesus and leaning on him wholeheartedly and doing the work that we need to do in order for our relationship with the Lord to be robust, mm-hmm. ongoing, you know, not just not just a Sunday morning visit and checking that off the list for the week, but walking with the Lord through our days, through our moments, day and night. You know, I heard um, Jenny Allen talking about prayer yesterday. She's another Bible teacher, and she just was talking about prayer, and she goes, I never, ever, ever have thought I need to pray. I never think I should pray more because I'm in constant conversation with God because I want to be, because mm-hmm. I like him, because I enjoy his company and I want to hear what he has to say and I want to talk to him about what's on my heart. You know, it's that's that's the faith component I'm talking about. It's being in relationship day in and day out with a God who loves us. Yeah. What I hear you saying, and as I reflect on my own life, is that the inner circle is my relationship with God and my self-awareness, mm-hmm. my the awareness of myself in relationship to God right. and the places 
in my heart and life that that need still need the Lord to to move into those places. Right. There are you know, I have spent so much of my time, so much of my life focused on the right here, right now presence of God, that he's with me. You know, I had a dentist appointment the other day and the song, just the one line from King and Country's song, God is with us, just kept playing over and over and over again in my mind. But even though I have committed my life to being aware of the right here, right now, God, I have moments every day where I'm not mindful of his right here, right now presence. Mm -hmm. Anytime I start to freak out or get anxious and I've dealt with a lot of anxiety in my life, there is absolutely no reason to be anxious when you know that the God of the universe who created everything, who doesn't have anybody over him, he reigns supreme. He All authority is his, all power is his, all knowledge is his, all wisdom is his, and he loves you. When you know that you know that you know that, there's no reason to be anxious. Well, there's another angle to that, though, too. It's that when you are anxious, I think that where the strength comes is bringing that that anxiety to Jesus mm-hmm. and realizing that and letting him fill fill the anxious places. Yeah, the answer or the antidote to anxiety is not don't be anxious. <laughs> the antidote to anxiety is fix your eyes on Jesus. I mean, there is a scripture that says, do not be anxious about anything, but then keep going. Don't just stop there because it's do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, present your request to the Lord. So walk it into your relationship with the Lord and and into his presence and let him know what you're anxious about and let him know what you need. And the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. If your inner core is your relationship with God and the awareness of yourself and how you need God to fill the the hurting places in your life, I think the strength comes from our weakness and mm-hmm. learning yeah. to tap into his power, rely on his power in our weakness. Right. That's, I think, what makes our core strong. Yes. <laughs> we need a strong core when we just throw ourselves on Jesus That's in it. all of our weakness. Yeah. That really is it. Psalm 62 verse 5, I think sums up really well. <laughs> yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. You know, I've said a lot of things in this conversation, Shauna, and you've just kept saying, yes, you're right, you're right, you're right. And <laughs> I guess I'm tracking with you. That's... We are tracking. Okay. Here's the thing. We need Jesus. We desperately need Jesus and he is sufficient. Thanks for listening to Barry and Shauna Replay. To learn more, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.